Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the second episode of the Pixel Play podcast, the podcast where two grown-ass men delve into the big news stories of gaming, as well as gush and rant about the past, present, and future of gaming. I'm one of your hosts, aka Catastrophe, along with my co-host, Adam C.S. Radical. Hey, Adam, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful, at least as wonderful as you can in the aforementioned pandemic era that we probably will continue to talk about over the course of this podcast. Yeah, I doubt that's going to be the last time we ever talk about it. It seems to be kind of a big headline. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, in this week's episode, we are going to be going over the Xbox Live pricing increase and subsequent backtracking, uh, the quickest 180 ever, uh, as well as talk about the Resident Evil Village press conference that was released this week. And we're going to do a little bit of activities relating to the 2021 game releases and seeing who might be able to predict the future better between the two of us. Um, Adam, where do you want to start today? Let's start with the dumbest story, which would obviously be Xbox, because it seems like one of those stories that you really can just smell the corporate greed a mile away, and then it just became hilariously like pr like backpedaling immediately because they realized, oh shoot, they figured us out. <laughs> Quick, they got us. Get out of here. So Adam, for the listeners who may not be aware of what's going on, do you want to give a quick rundown of uh, what exactly happened in the Microsoft War Camp? Sure, I can do that. So normally for those who aren't familiar with Microsoft's uh, console version of things, there is Xbox Live Gold and Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. Now there's two differences with that. Live Gold is just online multiplayer so it's just playing games and you get the freebies game pass ultimate is their streaming service that also incorporates xbox live gold with it so you would obviously know that live gold since it's just the multiplayer it's cheaper yeah and game pass being more expensive obviously microsoft being the you know giant corporation that they are they kind of want to direct you to game pass ultimate because obviously they get the most bang for their buck out of it so they thought what would be a wonderful idea was to institute price changes for Xbox Live Gold. And if I remember correctly, it was basically almost like they doubled the price of the memberships. And they also took away the 12-month uh, options. So you could only go as many as six months at a time, which is kind of strange in itself because it's basically been most people know you just get yearly subscriptions. That's how most people do it because that's the bang for your buck again. So it came off not only like you're charging us more, but you're also trying to keep us from getting the best deal by having the shortened price for just getting you for 12 months. In the same vein, like so many subscription services, if you get a year over a month, you get a reduced price because they know they have you for 12 months. So most people figured out right away because of how close the price change to game or Xbox Live Gold was to Game Pass Ultimate, they pretty much just assumed, oh, they just want us to get Game Pass Ultimate, because why the hell wouldn't they? And not to mention that we're also in an age, and we'll definitely be talking about this as this topic goes along, multiplayer for most people at this point in 2021 should not be something that we're paying monthly for, considering that you don't have to. Basically everywhere else like that isn't console I think Switch used to not do it. I think they do it now. But like, if you play on PC, there's no, there's nothing stopping you from playing a game online unless it's an MMORPG that requires a yearly subscription or a monthly subscription, I should say. But it's not like Steam charges you to play monthly. So the whole situation really reeked of just corporate greed as 
is very unsurprising in the games industry, especially now. And people really didn't take well to it. So naturally, uh, Xbox did the thing that most companies do right away, which is uh, backtrack and immediately said, oh, we made a mistake. Sorry, what we actually meant to do was... uh, Make it so that you don't have to have Xbox Live Gold to have free-to-play games anymore, which was a weird thing that only Xbox did. If you wanted to play Fortnite on Xbox, you had to have the Live Gold, which makes no sense for a game that costs you nothing to play. So the whole rigmarole and just and just like the whole like, I guess to simplify it, um, they wanted you to spend more money. People said no, and they went okay, fine. Yeah. Now, are you surprised by the decision to? try and increase the price up by 120 bucks like are you surprised at all by this move why or why not surprised that they tried but, to raise the price that they yeah that they thought that they could raise the oh, price of course not i have there's no surprise that i'm on that it's it's just an inevitability i'm surprised that it doesn't happen more considering how uh everything in life seems to go up you know by a certain percentage every year yeah i mean i share that sentiment with you i'm not surprised and it's not just because you know you know video games industry you know everything costs money whatever but i mean i'm not surprised by microsoft to begin with, I, I mean, I think if anyone was going to increase the price or, you know, kind of go with the leading one, I think it would be Microsoft. If you think back in, you know, the late 2000s, early, you know, 2010s, Microsoft was pretty much the only one that was charging for online play. Um, PlayStation had the PlayStation Plus, um, which was for the free games, but their online component was free uh, during the PS3 era while Microsoft was charging to play it online. Granted, the two services were different um but you know microsoft was that leading one to say yes we're going to charge for online play which is something that then sony picked up with um for their when the ps4 came out starting to charge for the multiplayer access and now even nintendo does i mean i know they charge something like 20 30 bucks a year which is nothing um but i think with microsoft being the one that's leading that that idea that multiplayer should be paid for it doesn't surprise me that they're the ones that kind of raise the price now, in I mean, terms of... It, no, go ahead. I was going to say, it's funny you say that. I actually would have thought it'd be Sony first than Microsoft because Sony currently is in the lead. So Sony could have the justification to do it because they aren't trying to get customers back. Honestly, I'm not surprised that Xbox tried to raise prices. I'm just surprised at the timing of it because they're not caught up yet. I don't feel like they're on even ground with Sony again. So it's a strange move to when you're just starting to get some good luck or some goodwill back, especially with how the Xbox Series S is much cheaper than the PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 5 Digital, although the Series S is a is an underpowered console in comparison, but the fact that they gave this very affordable option, not to mention with Game Pass being the honestly really good deal that it is, I figured okay, they're doing the smart thing, they're just trying to get everybody in to, to have them in some capacity, whether it's the console itself or whether it's just the PC version that they have. Makes sense. Cool. And then they were like, okay, but we're going to charge you more for it now. It's way too soon to be doing that. Like, this would be something that I could imagine them doing a year from now, maybe, but literally within a month or so of the new generation, it seems like a really strange time to do it. So I'm not surprised that they did it. I'm just surprised that they did it not only before Sony, but did it so early in this generation that it seems like somebody just... Somebody was putting their hand on the button and kind of forgot to remove their hand from the button, so they pressed it accidentally. Yeah, I'm wondering if it has some, like, do you think it's 100% related to the idea of just moving people to the Game Pass subscribers? Oh, I think that's 100% it anyway. I think that's their that's their business reason, is they figure, well, we're getting, not get, they probably didn't get as many uh, Xbox Game Pass subscriptions as they were hoping for. 
Yeah. So they went, okay, well, let's at least get the people that we have on console to move over to that too. So we at least get a little bit more out of them every month. Well, um, I just did a quick search while we've been chatting. And uh, according to The Verge, there are approximately 18 million um, subscribers for Xbox Game Pass. Um, whereas it looks back in April of 2020, um, it looks as though there were about 90 million users for the Xbox Live. So, so yeah, and in their logic, they're thinking, well, if even if we could just get 25% of those people over to Game Pass, like that's a huge extra chunk of change they're getting. So now, I imagine that's their logic. Now, do you think they would have had less of a negative reception if they had, let's say, dropped the price of um, the Xbox Game Pass and then raised the price of, of, of Xbox Live? Um, well, at that point, I would just say, why not just drop the price of, of Game Pass and just leave it at that? Yeah. Not to mention, and, and I, we might have gotten into this later down the road, but this is my personal opinion. They should just be dropping Live Gold as, as a whole and just make Game Pass slightly cheaper and just say that's what you go with. Yeah. You don't Do have you... to you don't have to you don't have to pay for multiplayer anymore. If you want to play Call of Duty online, you just buy Call of Duty and you're good. But if you want free games, if you want the extra discounts and if you want the streaming service, you got to get Game Pass. Same with goes with PlayStation with PlayStation Plus. Remove the multiplayer component and just say, "Hey, you want the free games, you want the extra like I'm trying to think what the discount they sometimes give. Like if you get Let's say you get like a 35% discount normally on PlayStation. PlayStation Plus will usually bump it up to 50. Yeah. So you could just say, okay, you get the free games, you get the discount, and you get PlayStation Now, and it's all in one encompassing thing. That would make perfect sense. But it's just, I feel like if you're keeping both, you might as well have that disparity because the whole point of Game Pass Ultimate is that it's Xbox Live Gold with the streaming. So when you're upping the price of Live, it's basically like you're saying, look, we think you have to pay more just for the same thing. Yeah, it's an interesting idea of, you know, do they split it? Because my question is, if they did do that, I mean, you look at, you know, PlayStation Plus before multiplayer was, you know, part of it. It was one of those things, I don't know how many people were actually subscribed to it until they were forced to do it for that multiplayer. So how much money would Xbox have been giving up if they said, yeah, you know, multiplayer is free? Because you've got people who buy Xbox and they're playing two, maybe three games. They're not they're not avid gamers looking to oh, I want to check out the latest indie game or whatever. They're, I'm playing my Call of Duty, I'm playing Madden, I'm playing with a couple of buddies, and that's it. Like, um, And it's got to be frustrating to think that you got to pay 10 bucks a month like it's a Netflix subscription just to play it with, with people online when re- in reality, you're probably not doing it that much. Like, I'm paying it for it right now for on PlayStation. I don't play a lot of online games, but I usually get it because the discounts are a little bit better and I get freebies. Yeah. That's really what I'm getting it for at this point. Now, if they happen to bundle it with PlayStation now, it might change things a little bit on my perspective because it's like, okay, hey, now I can possibly you know play a couple more games that I wouldn't normally because now I don't have to pay for them. I can just plop into it like it's a Netflix thing, like I'm watching a movie. So, And, and that's what I kind of... Everybody thought that's what they were going to do in this new generation to begin with. Because that was the rumor going around for a while, is that they were going to encompass everything as one whole service now. And it just, that hasn't happened. So when I saw the price jump, I was like, guys, like, we've all been talking about the solution, and you won't do it. Just yeah. do the solution. I don't, I'm going to check right now what Game Pass Ultimate is, in terms of monthly. Because that's, that's the important thing, too. Like, how much... Like, would I pay this right now as it stands? So... Uh, twenty nine ninety nine a month? No, 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 and that's U.S. By the way, I think I don't even yeah. think that's Canadian. No, it is Canadian. Okay, so it's probably like nineteen ninety nine or something like that. Maybe twenty four ninety nine U.S. But thirty bucks a month to basically. Oh wait, no, I think this might be. Uh, this is why I don't like websites when they try. I think that might be for getting the console and the th- and the thing like the monthly uh, 
by the console that they were telling you about. Okay. Friggin' Google, you're killing me. All right, so it's fourteen ninety nine for Game Pass Ultimate on its own. Okay, yeah. so it's probably more like twenty bucks for us. Yeah, that's not terrible, but if you aren't using the streaming service constantly, it's still not worth that much. I think if they honestly made it fifteen bucks Canadian, and I think that would be ten bucks US, I think that's honestly a fair price because it basically just comes down to hey, like you're just getting the streaming service in replace of the multiplayer. Because among the two of us, we both agree that multiplayer shouldn't be something you pay for. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement. Or even, you know what? I'd almost like to see them do a situ- situation where you can get either um, Xbox Gold standalone or you can get, you know, Microsoft um, or Xbox Live. Buy them individually. Reduce the oh, price. Hell, you, could even, you could even say for five bucks, you just get the discounts and the free games. And for 10 bucks, you get the streaming service with it. Like, you could even go that route. Well, I'm just thinking about myself as a PlayStation gamer, and I notoriously buy the PlayStation plus membership for the year and to be honest i'm not a huge multiplayer guy I, i've got a couple friends and i've got a couple games that i'll play with friends and it's been more so with covid but i'm typically a single player person and to be honest i look at the playstation plus lineup and you know they give the games which is great but i mean i never end up playing them because it falls into one of two camps um either they're you know smaller games that i'm typically not you know super interested in but like looks cool something like man eater right like cool game i'm probably not going to get to it like I, I don't have a lot of gaming time and i'm not going to play that when you know i've got um like hitman 3 or something like that or it's you know the playstation you know hits like you've got uncharted nathan drake collection or last of us but those come out so late that by the time they come onto the service i've already played them and i don't need a, a, a free copy of them at that point so i i almost would like to see it more be a split where you know i can pay 10 bucks for you know an online component and I can pay 10 bucks for, or, you know what, even make it 15, 15 for a game pass style, 15 for a multiplayer version, or I can pay 20 bucks and get both services together. And I think that's kind of where I think it should go. Um, if they do, want ideally you would want the option where it's everything, or you would just want like part of it. I mean, personally, if I really had the choice, it would just be the one thing. Cause I, cause I really don't like the other half. I don't like the idea of paying for multiplayer anymore, considering that I especially don't use it that much. Now that I'm also into PC gaming, it just seems stupid in retrospect. <laughs> yeah, I'm still trapped to a console, so I am just subservient to the gods of Sony and Microsoft. So um, I do agree, though, that it was nicer to have it when it was free for us to just play, especially if you got casual friends who have a PlayStation. You're like, hey, let's play a game of this. Like, check this out. Um, the, only, I, I... the only way that I would allow them to have multiplayer being something you still have to pay for is if you had it for games that you could be able to stream like it like there are some games out there now where all you need is one person to buy a copy and everybody else can get in if you did that for every game like if you wanted to play like as long as you're playing with friends like if you wanted to play say an online game of madden with your buddy all he has to do all all you have to do is just say hey like this guy's playing with me he gets like a streamed version of the game so he can play online against me yeah, well, I guess you could kind of make a case because there's at least something extra added along to it. But we've gone on so long with this system that it just doesn't make any sense. Well, Sony does do that. Sony does have the share functionality where you can pass a game controller to a friend remotely um, and they can kind of jump into your game and play it from there. So and it's not 100% the same thing, but I mean, there is that value added service there. So you, you would definitely have to build a little bit more among or along it to kind of like make it worth the the system but quite frankly i think just drop the multiplayer aspect and just 
put it all together is just you get the streaming and you get the discounts. Or if you really want to, just say, hey, 10 bucks, or actually, no, it wouldn't, 10 bucks for just discounts and a freebie would be kind of strange. Like, you could just say 15 bucks for everything, and you could say like seven or eight bucks for, for just the discounts. Like, you could do it that way. Yeah. So, because the streaming service for PlayStation is kind of crap to begin with. So, it's not really, really worth the price of admission. Yeah. Cause it's, well, I mean, it serves a purpose because it does the emulation, which I know it struggles with for a lot of, especially PS3 games um, with the software. So, it does have a purpose. But yeah, the price right now, like, I don't know anyone who has PlayStation now, um, and that the price it is, I don't know if anyone will. Well, it's so. because most of the games that are on it are, are it's it's like PlayStation Plus. They're just so old. Like Xbox is putting almost brand new games every couple of weeks, whereas I what, what was the last set that I saw just pop up on PlayStation? I think it was like Just Cause or something like that. Where I'm like, guys, really? Yeah. Like these are games that everybody's played. Like that's it's not worth streaming. Like the idea of having the streaming service is so that instead of paying sixty dollars for a game. We'll give you 15 bucks and we'll just pray to God that our internet can hold it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's an interesting choice. So what do you think the future is for, for Game Pass? Do you think we're going to see any sort of changes or do you think this kind of scared them into just keeping status quo? I think they're going to be quiet for quite a while unless unless they come back with a, like I said, just putting it all together for a lesser price or just like just putting it all together for the same price Ultimate is and just saying, look, if you if you want to play this, well, like this is it like this is just it. Well, if they whether or not they turn the multiplayer server off, I think that's different. But I mean, they're they're at this point, they're either going to do nothing or they're going to give you Game Pass Ultimate for slightly reduced just to try to get you to buy it. Yeah. I, I don't see any other option apart from another stupid situation like this, which I don't think they want to do twice. Yeah, I'm, I'm of the mindset I think it's going to stay as it is or they're just going to get rid of it. Because, I mean, I think the other thing that I'm just thinking of is, you know, with Xbox, a lot of the publishing, uh, a lot of the first party games are now moving right to PC, which, like you said, already does that free um, multiplayer. It kind of serves the point like it just makes me once again more incentivized to go buy stuff on PC versus Xbox. So. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it just comes down to uh, if they want to make another dumb PR move, if they want to have goodwill, like they're either going to do nothing or they're going to try to get some goodwill back, which would mean they'd have to be do something nice. So, yeah, I mean, they sort of did by saying that, hey, we're going to now unlock free to play games so you don't have to have Xbox Live Gold. But that's something they should have done to begin with. So I don't think it counts. <laughs> yeah, no, like it's, the- it's it's almost like when when a kid like does something bad and you make him apologize to the person you did something bad to, but you can tell it's not a real apology. <laughs> My apologies always sound forced. Just do it. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I think it was a dumb PR move and their apology of, Hey, we're now going to make the, the, the free to play free. It's okay. So you apologize. Now you've just caught up to the rest of the industry. So I don't know. I don't know yeah. how much that does. And I think, yeah, they've definitely lost some, some goodwill. Eh, it's 2021 and it's the games industry. They won't be the first ones and they won't be the last. No, for sure. All right. Moving on to next topic. Uh, Resident, Resident Evil Village conference. So Capcom. Wait, held... wait. Resident Evil, Resident Evil Village? What? I thought it was Resident Evil uh, Step On Me Mommy. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, it is in fact, let me just confirm. Yes, it is called Resident Evil Village. Um, the eighth one, or the chronological, I guess, eighth one in the Resident Evil series. Um, Adam. What is your history with Resident Evil? Did you take a look at the conference? What's your excitement level? What are your thoughts coming out of this conference? I did not watch the conference specifically, but I did watch the trailers. I have watched a full run of the demo, so I have seen everything that I need to see from that. Um, My history with Resident Evil is 
spotty at best. I'm not great with horror games because more often than not, I try not to pay money to things that make me uh, experience an emotion I don't usually like. I kind of like my pants not stained, so usually I try to avoid horror games when I can. Sometimes I can get into it. Like, I don't know if you remember Fear back in the day. Yep. Like, Fear, that's, was more, that's, Fear was a little bit more of an action game, though. Yeah, but it but it was still pretty scary at some time. Like they do a lot of jump scaring. Same goes for games like the original Bioshock. Like there are games like that. I can be scared in a game and be fine about it. But it's different when literally the game is built to scare the crap out of you. Now Resident Evil games have always kind of treaded the line between action and horror, unless you're talking uh, Resident Evil Six, which was like Call of Duty but with scary shit, which was strange. Um, which is fear, basically. Yeah. <laughs> at least fear. At least fear was good. Uh, <laughs> Resident Evil 7 was the kind of thing that made me go, oh, so I'm not touching this unless I make it big on YouTube, and this is like a Patreon incentive where people have to pay me to get into this thing, which remains to be the case. Do you want to plug that YouTube page? Uh, yeah, CS Radical on YouTube, but uh, I, there's going to be a ways away before I start doing that. Check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but... Um, yeah. I, I've always been like aware of Resident Evil. I know a lot of the lore just from passing over the years and you do what sometimes people will do which is just you google what the entire timeline is just because you're like i'm curious because i like good story yeah. but more or less like i haven't played one to completion i the closest i think i got was playing resident evil 4 on wii because at least with the wii mode you could aim decently because resident evil games back in those days are notorious for having you play really experienced soldiers that still can't aim their gun very very quickly so yeah so when i look at resident evil 8 now I know immediately that it's not for me unless it's the Patreon kind of thing, like I said. But um, I love the fact that they decided to take things in a different direction by going a lot more back to horror. It's almost like Silent Hill now. And based on how people treated Resident Evil 7, it seemed like it was a great idea because it, it was really well received. And Resident Evil 8 seems to be getting well received as well just from what's being shown so far. Although that may be for a multitude of reasons. It may not have anything to do with the game, but it may have to do with the uh, eight-foot-tall giant titty lady that people are not drawing any fan art at at all. No, no the, the internet's a civilized place here, Adam. It's not. No, we're above that. No, I, I share that same sentiment. I am not... I mean, I, I'm not to say I don't like Resident Evil. I just I've never gotten into it. I know I have friends who who do, um, but it's just one of those games that never clicked. The original game with the, you know, tank-esque controllers, like, just didn't suit for me. Like, I don't like having to choose between running and shooting. And I get the idea of why they had it like that, but it wasn't something that jived with me when I was trying it out. Um, I did, you know, play the demo for the remake of Resident Evil 2. Looked awesome just never got around to playing it i did so, the same for for uh, nemesis and same deal i actually really enjoyed it it's just my brain went i don't think i could pay money for this unless it was like 10 bucks yeah yeah i just it was one of those i i don't know i'm, I'm not a huge zombie person i'm not a huge horror person to begin with so it has a little bit of an uphill battle and those first games that i played just didn't do it for me um i know they're beloved i know that it's a really popular franchise and i understand why but this one it looks awesome, and to be honest, if any of them are going to get me, it looks like it might be this one. Um, the game looks incredible and is absolutely gorgeous. Um, I did download the uh, Maiden demo onto my onto my PS5 so I can give it a shot. Um, so we'll see, but um, otherwise, what, what are your thoughts about the conference? What, what stood out to you? Well, I know the game's going to be scary because when I watched somebody play the demo, I was fucking getting all, getting all, like, 
Chet Hart beating, like, going nuts about that stuff. Being like, man, I'm watching somebody else deal with this. I don't even have the 3D audio going on here. And I'm sitting here being like, I'm watching this on, like, 20 volume. So I'm not even hearing all everything that's going on. <laughs> and I'm just watching the screen being like, whoa, that's spooky. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what it sounds like here with, the, with like, the lights off and, the, you know, surround sound going off and just kind of seeing how that goes. So it'll be it'll be a good time. And I bet you it'll be in VR too, like Resident Evil 7 is, which sounds like a terrifying experience. Because at least when you watch it on a TV, you know you can see the room around you. You put the headset on. Oh no, that that's that's gone. Yeah, I, I remember seeing something on Reddit or, or something where it was like, you know, my, my sister's been bugging me to try VR and, or the PSVR. And the first game they let her try was um, Resident Evil 7. And the girl's like 10 years old. So you could just imagine the traumatization. That's... That was horrifying for a number of reasons yeah yeah i remember seeing that and i was just like oh that's that's not a good idea now, there was I- a legendary demo before it became resident evil 7 i think it was called kitchen yes and yes i don't think that at, was ever at released, e3 though. no it, and i think it was just something that like they had on the e3 show floor where apparently you would just sit in a chair with the vr headset on and it would just be you strapped in a chair and you don't, there's no movement, so you're just looking around, and it's just like this creepy person, like coming around, I think with like a knife or something. I'm just like, that's fucking cool. I'm not gonna ever do it, but that <laughs> sounds pretty damn cool. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of speaking of demos, what was your what's your thoughts about the Maiden demo that was released exclusively for the PS5? It's interesting about how horror games can do atmospheric. Um, setting when you play something that is I watched this person play a demo and it was about 18 minutes and nothing happened for 17 of it yeah so when you really think about how creepy almost 20 minutes can be with nothing going on tells you that they're doing something right and just that last minute of all of a sudden you see the um, I don't know what what if it's locusts or if it's like uh, whatever bug that it is where they have, where it just looks like they're coming in almost like a, like an insect wind. And then they appear like as a teleportation thing. Like the second that happens, you're like, Oh, okay. Uh, this is clearly the end of the demo. So now shit's coming on. And then you get to the door and that's when you see a giant lady, uh, stick something in you. And I'm not talking about the sexual stuff. So yeah, um, as, as a demo, it did its job. It got you invested into how horrifying it's going to be, and then it clicked to you at the end when it shows you, okay, this is the kind of shit you're going to have to deal with. Not even a single zombie in the game, so you're not even having to think about that part yet because we've seen things like werewolves being brought in this time around. So there is a lot that we still have yet to see, and just from that like snippet tells me they're not only trying to make this better than seven, but really trying to see how far they can take it over. And especially with a style that I really like too. Yeah. I, like, I think for me, the the thing that's unique for horror games is that they have a, an advantage that they can sell a game just by atmosphere. And that's, I think what they did really well with the, with the maiden demos. Like they get that atmosphere of here's what the game is going to feel like. And you've got that horror, that tension, that suspense, um, the one that it kind of brings me to is like the the classic like PT demo for Silent Hills. I mean, it's not as stealth release as that was, but I mean that idea of once again, hey, here's a small little snippet, you know, so, you know, tangentially related to what the final project is or will be, um, and it and it allows you to kind of get the idea of like this is what the theme and what the the general feeling of the game is going to be, and I think that is something that's unique, particularly to. Um, to horror games and it's not something i think you can capture with a you know call of duty sort of demo to have it where it's very minimal interaction and i mean i can imagine that that relative to other games 
it's probably not hard to make this sort of, you know, walking simulator for lack of a better term, like idea where you can just walk through and interact with things. No. And I think that's what made like PT really, really good when that demo came out because it was so simple and yet there was so much going on in the background that really got your attention. So I think that's also why I, I know that the main reason that Resident Evil changed its approach was because the last couple of games, five and six did very horribly, Mm -hmm. especially six, six was, I don't think I've seen a game series that was that beloved turn so hated in yeah. one fell swoop than than what six did. So they needed to do something. And I think also they figured, okay, well we need to we need to change something. Well we can't just make it an action game because then that'll probably piss people off more. So we have to go back to horror. But we can't really do a horror game with being a third person action shooter because it kind of takes some of the concentration away from the horror when you have to worry about the gunplay. So when they figure, okay, well, we'll go first person, and then they went, okay, we got to be atmospheric. Well, all of a sudden, especially because of the hole that PT left, it just made it really easy for them to just slide right in with that format, and people were like, this is so cool. We don't get to see this very often, because normally these kinds of horror games are pretty much limited to indie. Like, most people would think of Amnesia now, or I guess, like, the flurry of um, YouTuber, like, horror games like Slender and stuff that were coming out very rapidly and we didn't really see a triple a version of that and now that resident evil 7 came out into the ether we went oh that's what that looks like with a budget and now resident evil is coming or resident evil 8 is coming out and we're going oh that's what it looks like with probably an even bigger budget so it's it seems like they made the right call yeah for the most part i think that they are making the right call and like i think this is bound to be a you know successful resident evil chapter i think it's merging a little bit of that action from you know, five and six, but also keeping that atmosphere and horror um, from the original games. And I feel like they took the lessons from Resident Evil 7 and they're now taking that to the next logical step with Village. Um, yeah, sure. And they're not taking away, like, action games either. Like, I know some people are are worried that they're taking that part out of it. No, you got games like, um, there's a rumor going that Revelations 3 is in production, the Resident Evil 4 remake, which was supposed to be coming out sooner than later and is now going to be later because it got changed onto a different team. But it's not like Resident Evil has become first-person atmospheric horror. It looks like they're doing both, which yeah. I think is the best possible situation because if you still are remembering and reminisce of the older games, you're still going to get something akin to that because obviously you got the, the Resident Evil 2 and 3 remake and obviously the 4 remake will be coming soon and Revelations is coming. I've also heard rumors that... Um, Oh, what was it? Do you remember Resident Evil Outbreak, the like weird multiplayer thing they popped out yes. on like, PS2? Yep. There's been a rumor going around that, that that another one of those was in the works, which I think would be interesting now to have an online like Resident Evil experience. I think that would be interesting if it was done right. I think they mentioned that there's supposed to be some sort of additional multiplayer game coming out with Village. I don't know too many details about it, but I know that they're looking at doing that. So there will be some sort of multiplayer component. Yeah, so it, it just seems like they're not just committing to one thing. They think, okay, we know what's going to work with this. Now let's see if we can try to get something working with the old format that we used to do. So they're 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 trying a bunch of things, which honestly, I wouldn't really like if it was Capcom. But since Capcom has gone through this massive resurgence in the last five years, I kind of trust them to do whatever they want to try now. Yeah, they've been pretty successful. And I, and I think for the most part, the decisions that they're making have been pretty good. The one decision that they made that I want to run by you and get your thoughts on uh, when this game was initially, initially uh, announced, it was slated for the next-gen, what is now current-gen, Xbox and PS5. 
Um, in this conference, they said that it's now going to be also backwards compatible on PS4 and the old Xbox Ones. Given what we've seen with Cyberpunk, what does that do for you in terms of confidence level? What's your, you know, are you concerned? Do you think it's going to be okay? What is your opinion on this decision? With Resident Evil 8 specifically, I don't think it's as much of an issue because there won't be nearly as much going on as, say, Cyberpunk had. Um, And I also don't begrudge them for making this decision considering we are in a pandemic era where uh, consoles are limited still. It depends on, too, on, like, if the game's coming out this year, it makes perfect sense to try and and just have a lower graphics version to come out for older consoles because at this point, most people aren't going to be able to play it for quite some time because... Even if they can get a chance to get the consoles, a lot of people can't really afford five, six hundred dollars right now. So it's in that weird spot where it's the same goes with um, uh, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, and many other games that have been now uh, pushed to both PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. That it's just an inevitability of the pandemic. I think if we didn't have COVID 19 and people were having a little bit more uh, better hold of their purse strings, I think this isn't an issue. I think we can t- we actually go forward with the uh ps5 xbox series x exclusivity but i think because financially it seems like a bad idea and it seems like a lot of companies are trying to make as much money as they can now before um things go really haywire when things kind of like push back to normal they're trying to make back whatever they can because they think that even though it makes no sense when everybody's at home that of course they buy more games they still think they need to make more money so i i can understand them why business-wise they want to open it up to all consoles because I mean, you're going to get more more that way. It's just a matter of, can your game run with lower settings? I think Resident Evil 8 can because, again, it's first person and there's not going to be too much crazy stuff going on. You can just reduce the texture quality and you'll probably get by with it. But for a game like Cyberpunk, where there were so many open world assets going on at the same time, I think that's harder. If this was, say, um, actually, well, even, even going back to talk about God of War and, and Horizon, that might be risky just because those games, because they're more open world, might struggle depending on the assets they've used. But I think with Resident Evil 8, because it's not going to be nearly as taxing, at least in my opinion, it probably will have an easier transition than, say, other games. Yeah, I, I think, for me, you touched on two things. One, um, I think stuff like, I don't, I'm not concerned about Ragnarok, I'm not concerned about uh, Forbidden West struggling, because, I mean, those are being made for Sony consoles. Like, they're not having to juggle between three or four different platforms. I think the other thing, too, is that they set the expectations right. I think the problem was is that um, CD Projekt Red announced that this was supposed to be a PS4 and Xbox One game and then didn't deliver. This one from the get-go was announced as a PS5 and Xbox Series um, X game. So, like, it was designed that... Um, it was designed with the expectation, like, we are expecting it to run perfectly or better on next-gen consoles... And then if it doesn't meet those expectations on lower platforms, you know, that's the expectation because it wasn't designed for that. You're now, you know, bringing down the resolution and the, and the features of the PS5 game to make it work on the last gen consoles. So I think that's the difference. And I think, I think what's going to happen is the expectations aren't going to be as high. Granted, I still think if it doesn't work, it's going to be a huge issue and a huge blow. Um, and I think it'll be another, you know, example with Xbox where they're saying like, any gen can be the next gen kind of thing. And it like, well, maybe it can't. Maybe they, we need to have a, a, a break between last gen and current gen. So I'm eager to see what happens there. I would imagine that by the time we hit 2022, early 2023, I think that's when we'll see that definite transition point. I think 
Had it not been for the pandemic, we would have started seeing this transition point at the tail end of this year. But I think everything just got pushed back 12 months. So I think once we start seeing stuff come out in the, in the later half of next year, that that's when we'll start to see that definitive, this is for this console, this is for this console. And then you're just going to get like your Assassin's Creed, your Maddens, your Call of Duties. Like those will be the usual suspects that you see on every console. And then- because those games aren't nearly as demanding as say what a... Uncharted 5, if it was hypothetically in production, would probably take now. And, and Just Dance will turn off the lights as it leaves the last console, too. I mean, they just they came out on Wii again this year, so, I mean, yeah. or net last year, so, I mean, God only knows, right? Yeah, they're the last ones keeping alive. They're going to turn the lights out when the party's, when the party's done, so... Uh... I really, really want to know who bought Just Dance 20... I guess 2020 for Wii or whatever it would have been. I really want to know how many copies that sold on that. That's, that's, that's the ultimate curious question for me. You know what? I can I can see it. Like you think about it, you've got families and kids. You know, they may have like a Wii, and that's all they have. Um, and then, I'm just thinking know. at that point, how many of them are paying attention still? Like, if you still, if you're, st- if a Wii is your only console, because that's assuming the only situation that a Wii would still be being used. How many people are still using that console, or how many of it is just collecting dust on the shelf now? That's true. And how many are clamoring for? Oh my God, I need the newest Just Dance game. So. Yeah, there's that too. Yeah, interesting. All right. Uh, anything else? Any final thoughts on the Resident Evil conference game release? I just love the fact that they decided to do something different with a villain instead of it just being like really like crazy dude or really ugly dude or really monstrous dude. Now they just went, hey, let's 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 have this really like freakishly tall woman like be the villain for once. Anything different, I will happily take because it's 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 just so. I guess just being different is really the the key. Yeah, it's it's. I'm it's just nice excited to see what they do with something different because now it's it's people are gonna have to at least judge it for being not the norm anymore. So it may, it makes you wonder what it's gonna be like. Although it's hard, it's gonna be hard to tell when you're gonna be uh, wading through a crap ton of Rule Thirty Four art. So we'll have to see. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, last thing on the docket. Um, let's let's start a little game for the year. Um, I figure it's early in the year. We've got a couple games coming out. Um, I was proposing this idea to you, um, doing a sort of Price is Right Metacritic for upcoming games. So what this is going to entail is we've got a list of about 10 games here, and I'm going to share the list with you right now. Um, I figure what we can do is we'll each take turns um, going through. You can pick a game, and then we each have to guess what the Metacritic score is going to be um, at the end of the year. So... Uh, let me give you the example of Hitman 3. So Hitman 3 is currently sitting at an 87 Metacritic. Um, if you had guessed, let's say, 86 and I had guessed 89, you would obviously be closer without going over, so you would get a point. Um, so what will happen is we're today going to go through 10 games. We each get to pick what we think the score is going to be, closest wins without going over. Um, we are going to set Damn, some Price rules. Damn, Price is Right rules. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to have a couple rules. So we can only do, we each get one instance of playing the $1 Bob, which is where you just put the $1 and then you just, the other person has to go, if the other person is over, you can just say $1 Bob. Um, and I'm going to give you, let's say, one instance where you can do, like, you know, you know what? We can say indefinitely, like, how long, like, it's not coming out. So, for example, if there's a game and it's on the list and you're like, this is not a 2021 release. You can say it's not coming out. And if you're correct, you get that one. So, but to make this, you can only one person can have that option. So for example, 
one of us can only say this game is not coming out in 2021 and the other one has to guess. Does that make sense? Yep, that works for me. So what I'm going to do is we've got a list here. Uh, I'll read them out right now. So we have Resident Evil Village, uh, Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, God of War Ragnarok, uh, we have Horizon Forbidden West, Back for Blood, Halo Infinite, Deathloop, Far Cry 6, Ghostwire Tokyo, and Super Mario 3D World Plus Bowser's Fury. Adam, I was the one that proposed this game, so I'm going to let you pick which title we're going to bid on first. Uh, I'm just going to go in order here, at least on my end. So let's start with Resident Evil 8 Village, since that was what we were just talking about. Okay, you get first dibs. What do you think this game is going to be? So, obviously the immediate thing I would check was what was what Resident Evil 7 got. It got around an 86 on most platforms, somewhere around the, high, the, the mid-80s, which seems about right. My honest opinion is that I think it's going to be slightly better. I don't know if it's going to be a game changer. It, I think... Based on what I see, as long as they're just improving upon it, I think that's the format that I would go with. There's a chance that it could actually just be a really bad story, which is also possible. I get the feeling, though, that biting some catastrophic, like, COVID-related failure where they pushed the game out too soon or people didn't get a chance to work on it as well as they will, it will probably be about the same quality. So I'm going to just up the ante a slight bit. Me, personally, I'm going to give uh, an 88 as the overall rating for what Resident Evil 8 Village will come up with. Okay. I don't think you're. I, I think it is going to rate well. I think 88 might be a little high. I think it being one of the first, you know, next gen specific games, it's going to wow us and surprise us. Um, but I think it's also going to feel like it's going to feel like a lot like the Resident Evil Seven. So I'm going to put it at an 82. Okay. Okay. I am going to select God of War Ragnarok. And as much as it kills me to say it. This game is not coming out in 2021. So I am going to put no release. Um, I just think with Ratchet and Clank, you know, coming out, I assume somewhat soon um, in the next couple months and Horizon, I'm assuming being Sony's big, you know, fall game. I don't see us getting a God of War Ragnarok. They just announced the title. I think like just before the PS5 came out and Sony Santa Monica is still hiring. So, I don't think it's going to be a 2021 release, and it kills me to say that. It's really tough because it feels like their goal was to make it come out for the fall. So it really just comes down to, like, luck of the draw. And I think, again, the key, and we're probably going to be saying this a lot, is the, the pandemic is really what's going to be what decides a bunch of this. Yeah. Because um, the problem is, is if I knew how far along, like, when they started this, that could really finish it for me at the same time too they also it's not like they're going to be completely starting from scratch they're going to use a lot of the assets that they already use so it's going to be just building upon what they already built i'm going to take the chance and say that it will make it i think this will come out in november i think it may not come out in perfect shape it may have a hell of a day one patch but i think they're going to try really really hard to make it so, because in my opinion, I think Forbidden West is going to come out in the late summer, if not early fall. So do sort of like almost like a Ghost of Tsushima kind of release. I'm thing. kind of leaning in that direction. I'm I'm like fully willing to assume that Horizon's coming out this year. Ragnarok is the wild card, and I think because it is a game that would really really kill at the end of the year, I think they're going to try their ass off to make it work. And I think the only way it doesn't 
is if it really is that far behind that it needs like six months plus of polish. I think if it even comes out in a slightly off state, I think a day one patch can at least fix it enough that it would be more than fine, and then they would just polish it a little bit more over the rest of the year. Yeah. So I'm going to play the assumption that it's going to make it, so now it just becomes of what am I going to give it? Now, here's the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this on your radar before you give a, a, a guess. I'm putting no release. If it comes out this in 2021, even if it gets you know a 10, I'm not going to give myself a point. Like If I say it's not coming, if it scores anything... In 2021, I'm not going to give myself the point. So really, you can lowball this one. 69. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to take a legitimate guess anyway because uh, Go for I'm it. a rebel. You know what? We'll do, we'll do it this way. If you can get it on the, if you can get it on within, let's say one or one point. If you can get, you know, one either way, I'll give you two points on this one. Oh shit! I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to double up that. Okay, I'm gonna mark that. Um, I've got the notes here. They're they're thorough. Don't worry. So. Here. God of War was at a 94, which I'm real. That's that's the one that scares me because I feel like Ragnarok, because it's going to have much more big names, like we're going to be seeing Thor and Odin for sure in this. So the stakes could be higher, but 94 is a really hard score to top, that's the especially thing. on Metacritic. That's the thing. Remember what everyone's expectations that were of God of War when they announced God of War 4. Remember what God, like the original God of War trilogy was all about, and now it came out with God of War 4. It was a I think we were all caught by surprise on what it was. So I'm going to take the slight risk of, or the slight uh, not risk of not going over and just give it a straight 90 because I, I think it'd be really hard for them to miss the 90 range. Okay. Especially with it being a first-party Sony game. Like, I would, it would, I, there are a lot of games that it could take a real disaster to screw up. This is one where it's like, man, Sony with the quality that they put out on all their first-party games, like, even with as criticized as Last of Us Part Two is, it's still got amazing ratings because it's just those games are come out in such high quality, even if they're not like your cup of tea. That I just I don't know how they get lower than a ninety. So in the interest of not just being uh, a coward and going seventy because that would be too easy, I'm gonna give it. A, I'm gonna go the ninety route, but I'm probably be leaning at a ninety-five if I was really like being accurate. Yeah, I think you. Know, I think you're. I think you're safe at like ninety. I think there's going to be. It's going to be as good as the other one. I just don't think we're gonna have that oh my god, wow, kind of factor that we did with the God of War 4 and the surprise. I mean, it dep- honestly, it depends on Thor. I think that's going to be the big one. If Thor is, is amazing, and by amazing, I mean you you actually want to kill Thor because Lord knows it's going to be a challenge with how many people are really, really uh, attached to th- just the name of Thor because of Marvel now. <laughs> yeah, but I don't, I don't think it's like... I don't think it's going to be the same Thor. I think it's going to be a different guy. Oh, it will be. It's just <laughs> there's going to be that point where people are going to have to remember, oh, yeah, this is not that Thor. Oh, crap. I have to kill Thor, don't I? Well, I mean, no one had a problem when he killed all those, like, Greek gods, and they're like, oh, my God, what about Disney's Hercules? Like, no one had a rage of it. No one had, like, a complaint about that. I think most people have kind of, like, forgot most of those films, whereas <laughs> Marvel's Thor is pretty fresh in most people's minds, not to mention he had a good 10-year run that people were pretty happy with, well, minus the Dark World. I was going to say, there is the Dark World. We don't talk about the dark world. The dark world. All right, your your go. Pick one. I'm gonna go off the board and go through your list. So I'm gonna take one of yours here and go Death Loop. Ah, Death Loop. Yes. And the reason I'm picking Death Loop is because this is gonna be my dud of the year. You think so, eh? I think so. I like the idea of, of cool things they want to do with the controllers. Like if the gun jams, the controller trigger is gonna be really really hard to press down. There's stuff like that that looks really cool. But the problem is, is through how many times I've seen footage of this game, I still have no idea what the hell it's supposed to be. And I think that's going to come through when a lot of reviewers play it and they just don't know what to think of it. Because I don't know if this is a concept that works 
in a AAA format. There are some things that just work well with indie because it's a few people with a with a certain vision. When you put a vision that like this of this scope of this like complexity to a bunch of people, it's really easy for it to get muddled. And I find anything that goes crazy with anything sort of time travel or like just weird like constantly things spinning back and forth, I think it's really hard for a AAA studio to get those right because they try too hard and they just end up making it way more complicated than it has to be. So, not to mention, I think this game's been pushed back enough times, like Cyberpunk, that I'm like, okay, I'm starting to worry about you. So I am going to go the low ball route and go a 74 on this, because I actually do think that this is not going to come through very well. Hmm. See, I don't know. It's made by the same guys who made Dishonored, and Dishonored is... That that was the thing kind of holding me back, but every time I thought about it, I'm like, I just don't know if this if this concept's going to work with people. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, think, I think it's going to be kind of unique. I'm going to throw it. You know what? I'm not gonna one dollar it because again I don't I don't want to do that. So like oh, the low seventy is kind of like my one dollar. Yeah. This is my safety point. I'm not confident if I give it an eighties in the eighties at all. Oh well, I'm giving it an eighty. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna take the the high road and I'm gonna say I think it's gonna be an eighty. It might be a little lower than eighty, but for the sake of, I think it's gonna go eighty. Yeah, we're gonna do that. Okay. All right. Um, let's do Halo Infinite. Oh boy. So for me, I don't know. This one's a tough one. Um, obviously, it's Halo. It's you know, arguably Xbox's flagship title. Um, and I know even like like the like the last Halo did really well. But I don't know. Like the fact that this was meant to be a launch title that got delayed. Does it even have a release date yet? Uh, I do, I think this year was what their goal is, but I don't think it's officially dated for anything at this point. Yeah, like that's my thing. It, it's a launch game that didn't launch, so it has the benefit that yeah, they're obviously taking more time. But oof, that game did look like it needed more time, and I don't know. I, I wonder with that open world kind of story for Halo, if that means that we're going. So apparently, to... their goal is fall twenty twenty one. That's that's the tentative date. And I think they're going to hit it. Like, I think the fact that it was meant originally for launch, I think they, I think can... they have to hit it. <laughs> <laughs> well, have to and do are two different things. Um, for me, I, I, I think it's going to do well, but I don't think it's going to do great. Um, I'm going to probably put this in at a 75. Ooh, you're really low balling it. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's going to be close to that, but I think I'm not comfortable putting it higher just for safety, just to not go over. But I don't think it's going to pan out well. I think it's going to. I think it, I think fans are going to be disappointed when they see this one. See, you were lowballing it. I'm kind of doing it, but I'm a little more confident it won't be that far gone. Like I'm not looking at Deathloop and Halo Infinite and being pretty close to each other. I'm putting Infinite at a safer 78, just because I'm really unsure about the eight. I'm unsure about eight because Halo Five only got an 84. Yeah. So that that's what's kind of keeping me from going too much higher. And I think because it's such a different Halo game, because it's going to be more of an open world Halo, that there is a risk that it's either going to be really, really good or it's just not going to be taken very, very well. Mm-hmm. And I like the room that I'm afforded with giving it a high 70 because I'm th- I'm pretty sure that, again, biting a really catastrophic failure, it should probably attain an, an 80. Mm-hmm. 
but I'm leaving my just that extra bit of room that just somebody really wants to be a jackass and just be like, no, I'm going to make sure it doesn't get an eight and just like drop it down just enough so it's like stuck at a 79 permanently. Yeah, so hopefully 77 is the score, so. <laughs> uh, I mean, oh, I, I, I could be a douche and just 76 it, but you know. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I refuse to give anything a 76 because I don't want to fall out it. Yeah. Uh, all right, you're, you're up. Uh, speaking of lowballing, I'm going to go to Back for Blood now. Okay, so remind me what Back for Blood is. So Back for Blood is basically done by the guys who used to do Left 4 Dead from Valve. Oh, okay, yes, yes, yeah. So it's it's almost like a... It's basically Left 4 Dead 3 when you really think about it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm giving it a 76. Or not 76. I literally just said I wouldn't say 76. I'm going <laughs> to give it a 77. Okay. Um, and the reason I'm going that low, even though I want this to be the best game I play all year, assuming it comes out this year, because me and my friends love playing Left 4 Dead. We've been playing Killing Floor 2 as well, and all those games are a blast. The reason that Back for Blood worries me is because currently there are rumors that these kinds of games are getting in the route of a game as a live service, which makes me go, oh crap, you're not only paying for a Left 4 Dead style game full price, but they might be trying to nickel and dime you too. So that makes me worry about what the about the, what the um, the overall gameplay in terms of its replayability will be. It might be fun for the first few times that you play the map, but are there things they put in the game that's going to make it really annoying for you to keep playing it? Is there going to be grindy shit to it? Or is it going to be you just play the game and have fun like Left 4 Dead always was? My worry is that they're going to do the, oh, if you get this, you get this specific skin. Like I feel like the grinding and the microtransactions might be coming on this game. So I'm tentatively going low just in case. I think as a game, it should still be like mid-80s. But I'm worried that because of what they might put into this game, that it might screw the rating. So I'm kind of safely lowering it. Yeah, I I feel like 77 is like the good point to put it at in terms of score. I I think the idea of just like an online have fun shoot zombies with your friends thing is kind of old and I don't think they're doing that anymore. And that market has just become so crowded too. So I really don't know what to put this one on. So I'm going to I'm going to $1 this one. Okay. $1 Bob. <clears throat> All right. Um my turn. Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart. This is the hardest one on the list, in my opinion. Yeah, this one's a tough one. What was the last Ratchet and Clank? It was received really well. I, I remember it was, yeah. I think it was, but like, how well was well? Like, was uh, it 85 a... is the rating that it got. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm going to put this one at... I think this one's a 79 for me. I think, I think it's going to be, it's a Sony, Sony exclusive. And like those generally do pretty well. Like they definitely have their care and time, but it's Ratchet and Clank. And once again, I'm not saying that in a negative way. Like I love Ratchet and Clank, but I mean, how much of it is nostalgia? How much of it is just fun? And then how much of it is like mind blowing? So I, I don't think there's much that you can do. So I think it's probably going to land at around an 80. And I think just, being just under at that 79 is probably the sweet spot to be. So because you went low, I'm going to give myself a little bit of extra space to work with. Um, I'm going to make two guesses. One that's the actual game and then ones that my actual guess is. Yep. Um, I'm going to give it an 83. Mm-hmm. I think this will be a really good game. Here's the thing. I really believe that since this is going to be the first true game that really uses the technology of the PS5, I think it's going to get better. Like, I think the game, as long as it's the same solid gameplay that the original Ratchet & Clank on PS4 was, I think they'll be fine. 
But once they incorporate all the crazy tech, I think it just gets boost just because of it. So I may be giving it an 83 to give myself some space just in case, but I'm going to call the official score that this game is given by the end of it a 91, because I think it's going to set a real bar for a lot of reviewers in terms of what the PS5 offers. Yeah, I, you know what? I don't think... I think 93 might be a little optimistic, but I can see it being maybe high 80s. Like, I, I like not, 91 to me is like that point where it's like, okay, it's just good enough that I think people are going to give it a lot of nines. And then it just leaves that extra space for that for those few 10 out of 10s that people give. Because there's always those guys that just give anything that remotely like makes them like think, holy crap, this is the future. They give 10s. Yeah. Ever, ever, there's always that game in a new generation that people give way high scores to just because it's just the tech. It just seems so crazy. Like, I see the ratings for Crisis all the time, and I don't get it, because I don't think Crisis is actually the most amazing game, but a lot of people just gave it amazing ratings just because of how astonishingly beautiful it was. Yeah, I can I can see that. So I'm not, I'm not thinking in terms of the score being how good the game is. I think because of, I think of what reviews might give it. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're playing the game. Like, I, I totally understand what you mean. Like, I think you're right. Like, it may not deserve it, but just by being at the right place, and especially because if it comes out just at the tail end of our gaming drought, like, it might be worthwhile. Yeah, so like I said, I'm going to give it an 83 just to give it room because 85 was its last one. I think it'll probably do a little bit better. Just gives me a space in case it's a little underwhelming to some people. But yeah, yeah. I think that's where we're going. No, you got to play, play the game. All right. Uh, let's go off the board and go to a Switch game. Let's go to the one on the list. Uh, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. Now, this one is a HD remaster, re-release, Wii U game kind yeah. of thing. So what did that one get? The original one got a 93. All right. Where does this land so now I, on the I on would the be Switch? foolish to give any major Mario game less than a 90, so 90 is the number I'm giving it. Because uh, as I've learned, it takes something really special for a Mario game to get anything less than a 9 from people because I remember a notorious review from IGN back in the day for I think it was New Super Mario Bros. Wii U, or it was either that or New Super Mario Bros. Wii. And the review starts with, you know... This game's actually, like, quite hard, like, old-school tough. And then they talk about how uninspiring a lot of the levels are. And they give all these things that make you think it's, oh, they didn't really like the game. And it ends up being a 9.4. Yeah. So it's one of those things where I just don't see people giving it that low of a, of a review. And because Super Mario 3D World is already a pretty good game and they're just adding to it, I think it's really hard for it to go below that. So I'm just kind of giving it the 90 as the safety zone. All right. I'm going to give it an 85 and here's my reasoning for that so i think you're right there's totally that nintendo bump and that you know it's beloved character um it's a beloved character and it's mario and it's a great game it reviewed well on the wii u now here's my thing one we don't know what the bowser's fury component is going to be and if it's going to be worthwhile um that being said i looked at something like donkey kong country tropical freeze Another Wii U game switched over to the port or ported over to the Switch, uh, and that one got an 86. Do I think it'll do better than Donkey Kong? I think so, but I think people are st- kind of starting to get tired of Nintendo's policy and, and track record of bringing over Switch games or Wii U games to the Switch and then charging full price. So I don't know. I think I think I'm going to lowball it a little bit, but I think to be honest, if I if the room was there, I think I would have gone 90 as well. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, what do we have left? Let's do Far Cry 6. This one, I... I'm going to snag this one at... 
I'm going to do a 75 on this one. I think, you know, Far Cry is what it is. You're not going to be surprised by anything. Um, I, th I think, you know, you're going to have an awesome villain who may or may not show up at all um, in the game. It's going to be basically Far Cry. Nothing surprising. I don't think it's going to be necessarily bad, but I think it's just going to feel tired and fresh. Tired and it's not going to be very fresh. It's tough because... I thought Far Cry 5 was really good, and it's the lowest of the last three. I think Far Cry 4 is terrible, because I think Far Cry 4 is a horrible copy and paste of 3, with just a flamboyant villain instead of a, a crazy dude. So, 6 is a weird one, because it really just depends on the, the setting and the villains. And I thought 5 did a great job of it. 6 I'm not too into, so it's... I'm trying to differentiate between what I would perceive and what I think reviewers will perceive. I'm going to go a little bit higher than you. I'm going to give it a 78 just as like, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be amazing. I just, it's the same with a lot of the games that we've done where I'm just not comfortable giving it the, the 80 plus because I just don't see it. Yeah. But there, cause there's always the risk that like this just ends up being uninspiring and people just go, Oh, it's just another boring shooter. And that can really lower its rating really quick it really just comes down to if these villain, if the villain is amazing, then that really jacks up the rating. That's that's the big like wild card with Far Cry games, I find. Yeah, no, and I mean, I think they've got is it John Carlo Esposito doing the villain. So like the acting could be really good. I mean, the it's acting just... is all like their 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 main villain is always like really well done. Like whether it's um, like Joseph Seed or the hell was the name of the guy in number four. I can't even remember. I blanked that much because I just didn't care. Pagan Min, that's who it was. Thank um, you. Like, I mean, they're always really like they're always really neat villains, but it's always a question of like what what do they do with the villain? Does the gameplay also get repetitive, which is a big yes for Far Cry. So it really oh, just comes yeah. down to like, can they keep you invested in the characters enough that you'll keep doing the same thing over and over again? Yeah. But yeah, All right. I, I'm thinking 78 on that. So the last one that I'm picking is is my last one on the list, and that's the one that I hope ends up being my game of the year this year, assuming it's out. That being Horizon Forbidden West. Let me uh, take a drink here. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> of course, I start talking, and that's when the phlegm starts coming. See, it's still doing it. <laughs> <clears throat> Bloody hell. So um, I want this to be a like I want this to be game of the year potential. I want this to be like rivaling red dead redemption at 97 but obviously if i pick a 97 i'm really no, i'm really not Go giving myself it. a lot of Go lead for room. it have so, some faith um, buddy the last horizon as i just quickly check it i think it was 89 uh, 80 just yeah, it wasn't 89. nearly that big that's what makes it tough i'm gonna take a real risk and give it a 91 Ooh, bold bold I and say. because yeah, and the reason I think it's this high is because if they nail the underwater aspect of it, this game is going to be unbelievable. If they nail that, I don't, I'm not worried about the story. I'm not worried about the characters. I'm not worried about the gameplay. It's that one extra thing. If the underwater gameplay, especially if there's combat, it, it really bides on that. If it's horrible and you would probably have to do it a bunch, it makes the game broken. It just screws with everything. But if it ends up being amazing, that props it up because most people don't expect underwater combat to be that good. I was gonna and say, I think that's going to be a big game changer because I'm already trusting of the of the characters because I think Aloy, in my personal opinion, is the best female character we have going right now. Yep, I can see the that. The story is really interesting. The world is vibrantly beautiful. So everything's going forward. It's just that one wild card that, to me, is going to determine where it is. And I think that they're going to nail it because 
this is their flagship game right now that isn't Uncharted, in my opinion. Because God of War is the big one for, like, I think, like, your your typical, like, hardcore gamer. Horizon appeals to everybody. Yeah. So I think that's the one that they really, they're putting everything into. And I really think that they're not going to put something like this out if they're not going to give it their all. So I'm really going to, I'm going to take the risk and trust them on this one. See, I think you're right about everything except the underwater. Because no game has good underwater levels. Underwater levels suck. So I think that's where you screwed up. Oh, I'm gambling. Uh, I know. <laughs> uh, I do think it's going to do well. Um, I don't think it's... I, 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 I don't know. I could see it doing there. Once again, I think it's you know a breakout debut. No one really knew what to expect from it. Kind of shocked us. I look at the trailer and it looks amazing. And don't get me wrong. I have my like Aloy statue in the in the gaming room i love it i love horizon one of my favorite games uh it was one of the few games my wife had to you know have a talk with me about how um i had responsibilities besides playing horizon in my life and so i am a huge fan of horizon that being said i don't know like the game doesn't look that much different from what the ps4 version was and i don't know what they have in terms of surprises so based on what we've seen i think it's going to be around the same point as Horizon Zero Dawn at around 89. So I'm just going to play it safe, and I'm going to throw in an 83. Okay. Well, you're wrong, but, you know, that's, it's fine. Oh, I, I, I th- is it going to get an 83? Form- God, no. It's going to be much yeah. above 83, but I don't need to. I know. You're playing it safe. I'm playing it safe. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just of the here. mind that, like, I, I look at the way trilogies always work. First game is a great concept. Second game destroys, and then the third game is kind of meh. So I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be like the Mass Effect 2 of Horizon where it just absolutely murders. And then the next game is going to be just underwhelming because they're going to stop trying. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm praying for the Mass Effect 2 rating here. Fair enough. All right, last one so we that have. that just leaves us, I think, Ghostwire, doesn't Ghostwire, it? Ghostwire, Tokyo. Where does this one land? I don't know. You go first. No, this is technically my for, my choice, so you get to go first. Oh, no, it is mine, so I go first. <laughs> <laughs> Ghostwire, Tokyo. I, I really don't know what to expect of this one. Um, like I'm not even familiar. Like I don't know what to expect from this one. Tango Gameworks. It's it's one of those games that could either be like a sleeper hit, like a Horizon is, or this could just be like so underwhelming. I think it's it looks weird. Uh, like I don't know. I I'm gonna throw it out there at a seventy. Ah. I do it at 76, and once again, because I have no idea what to expect from this. Um, if I hadn't used my my one dollar Bob on Back for Blood, this would probably be the one that I was. That I was between this and uh, Back for Blood that I did the one dollar Bob. So you said which? Sorry, 73, uh, I think. 76. 76. Okay. I know that I said that I thought Deathloop was going to be the dud. I call it a dud. I think Ghostwire Tokyo is going to be an absolute disaster. Yeah, I look what, at what I just because I just I I briefly looked at the trailer again just to kind of refresh like how it was shaping up to look like. You know what this reminds me of? Do you remember Red Steel on the Wii? Yes. And no, I just, I don't know why <laughs> I get the vibes of it, but it looks like the kind of game that in trailers looks amazing, and then you play it and it's just not working. I, I look at the idea of this really crazy sci-fi first-person, like, shooter, horror kind of thing. So, Similar to Deathloop, I think there's too much going on. So to give you context, 
Tango Gameworks, if you're not familiar, Japanese video game developer, uh, founded in 2010 by Shinji Mikami, uh, and they've released uh, The Evil Within and The Evil Within 2. Yeah. So, this is kind of up their wheelhouse. Well, yes and no, because Evil Within um, isn't nearly the same as in terms of a game, and they also weren't really... Like, they were decently received, but they weren't amazingly received. 75 and 76, respective. Yeah. So, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is going to be a really, really, really rough game. I'm going to just give myself the safety space. I I think it's honestly going to be somewhere in, like, the low 70s. I'm just going to say 65 to give myself the space in case it's a real dud. Because you never know. It might be a real bad one, and it goes so below on ratings that we both lose this one. So just to protect myself a little bit more. Fair enough. But in actuality, if I was to really guess, I think it's probably going to be somewhere like 72. Yeah. That's like the best I think I can hope for. I can see that. I mean, I don't know. And it just comes, it doesn't come down to me thinking the game might suck. Because I really do love the concept, but I, whenever I love the concept of something, my immediate reaction is, that's too easy to screw up. Because if it sounds interesting... I remember what Watch Dogs was like, and it was an absolute atrocity, at least the first one. Yeah. So it ju- it just comes down to like that sense of, I don't automatically trust developers when I feel like they're in over their heads on an idea that just seems so far out of the norm. Yeah. So, Adam, I'm pretty sure with this list, we have managed to offend at least a couple publishers. And so uh, Good. I-, I anticipate we're going to be hearing from them soon. Uh, I'm going to estimate Cyberpunk is going to still be a 40 until uh, towards the fall. So uh, thanks, E Project Red. <laughs> I got my refund back now, so I'm not mad anymore. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Um, so just actually, to I'm not even disappointed. I'm not even disappointed. I'm actually infur- infuriated because the the more we hear about how the entire game went, just seems like an absolute mismanagement of like epic proportions. Yeah. I think it's just a matter they just bit off more than they can chew. But that's a discussion for another week. Um, so just to re- <laughs> As it will be every week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it won't be an episode unless. Uh, so just to give everyone a recap um, where we are at. Um, so we have, for our scores, Resident Evil, I have a score of 82. Adam says 88. God of War, I say not happening this year. Adam says 90. Deathloop, I say 80. Adam says 74. Halo Infinite, I say 75. Adam says 78. Back for Blood, I $1'd it. Uh, and Adam put in a score of 77. Ratchet and Clank, I did 79. Adam did 83. Super Mario, I did 85. Adam did 90. Far Cry 6, I did 75. Adam did 78. Horizon Zero Dawn, I did 83. Adam did 91. And Ghostwire Tokyo, I did 76. Adam guessed 65. Wow, I seem very pessimistic on this list in comparison to you. I'm just, I, I'm, you know, when money's not on the line, I'm happy to gamble a little bit more. Oh, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, I think, Adam, that concludes us for this week. Uh, any closing thoughts? Uh, no, I think we got everything that we needed to out of this one. Fantastic. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been your episode two of the Pixel Play podcast. Uh, you guys can email us questions, quest- questions, comments, concerns, topics of the show at pixelplaypodcast at gmail.com. We are hosted on Anchor, Spotify, YouTube, and our Twitter and Instagram handle is pixelplaycast. Um, yeah, we look forward to coming to you guys next week with a new episode. I've been one of your hosts, uh, Kalen, a.k.a. Catastrophe, and my co-host here is Adam C.S. Radical. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Adam, thank you as well. 
Have yourself a good week, and I will talk to you next week. Yeah, take care, everybody. All right. Bye, everyone.